And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bench with Bubba, episode 261. I mentioned a couple uh, episodes ago, we're going to start mixing it up around here. It's not going to be fantasy baseball all the time. We're going to have some fun with it. We're going to keep it baseball related tonight and for the next few episodes with our guest here. But we're going to talk baseball movies. We got our top 15. We're going to go 15 through 11. And then eventually we'll have some more fun with it and maybe take it down some other rabbit holes just to give some brevity to the situation that we're all living in. You can find me on Twitter at BDentric and my co-host, I will call him a co-host because we're going to do a lot of these. Find him on Twitter at Ben J. Palmer. Ben, how are we doing, man? I'm doing good. Just trying to socially distance myself from everybody I know and not touch my face. Yeah, so I'm with you. Doing okay. That's my hardest part is not touching my face. I got my, my wife is yelling at yeah. me about that all the time. <laughs> yeah, I'm 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 a habitual nail biter, so that's yeah, I, I can't stop. <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's tricky stuff. Tricky, tricky stuff. So uh, like I said, we'll we'll kind of make this work as we uh as we get going and we'll kind of go back and forth and we don't know how long the episodes will be, but we'll just have some fun talking um baseball movies. And uh people liked it last time we did it, so Ben wrote an article on PitcherList.com where he does a lot of great work uh, talking about his top 15 movies. So we're going to go backwards. And I made my list this time. And uh, I told Ben before the show, his list has some really good documentaries, some some uh, older stuff that most people maybe not, don't even know about. So we'll have some fun with that. I know I haven't seen many of them, so we might do special episodes on that to have some fun with it. Uh, but Ben, let's just start out with it. What is your number 15? So my number 15 movie on the list is The Rookie, which uh was it was a nice it was a nice movie it's um directed by john lee hancock who um other people might know from the blind side uh and he's had a handful of other movies that kind of have a similar tone to the rookie but have you ever seen it yes yes i saw it a long long time ago it's 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 in my top my uh my list for tonight for sure Perfect. Yeah, yeah. It's um, it's solid. It's it's got a lot of heart to it. It's a very um, it kind of it does kind of follow a formula that uh is pretty well worn. But it is also based on a real life story, based on the story of Jim Morris, which kind of shows that sometimes the generic formula actually does happen. So whether it is formulaic or not, it is kind of based on this guy's real story. This um, older pitcher who blew out his arm and became a high school coach and then just kind of decided to try out for the major leagues because his uh, students challenged him to and ended up making a major league team. He didn't really do a whole lot in the majors, but it's it's really impressive. Um, Dennis Quaid is very, very good in this. He does a really good job uh, playing Jim uh, Jim Morris. And probably one of my favorite aspects of the movie is there's this there's this cool dynamic. Uh, Jim uh, Jim Morris's father so uh, is played by I, I forget the actor's name, but he's the guy who played the bad guy in the early X Men movies. The guy who made Wolverine Stryker, uh, gotcha. William yeah. Stryker. Yeah, I I forget the actor's name off the top of my head, but his father in very withholding, strict military father, and there's a cool dynamic where Dennis Quaid's character is throughout the film trying to get his father's approval, and at the same time trying to be there for his children 
and make them proud. So he's got this 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 struggle where he's he's trying to impress impress a lot of people, make a lot of people proud of him, and and he's also trying, I think, to not be the father that his father was for him, not be so strict and not be so withholding. And it's that's more of a subtle undertone, but it's it's a nice it's a nice well written emotional conflict in the midst of of all the baseball, which is fun too. It is you know it's the Disney movie, it's it's very you know kind of Disney movie ish, but it's very sweet. It's very heartwarming. You know, there's. There's a place for all different kinds of movies, and this one's just a it's a nice movie. It's a sweet movie. It makes you happy. And and it's it's fun. It's it's really enjoyable. It's not incredible. I think John Lee Hancock actually does a pretty decent job directing it. There's some really nice shots here, especially the the movie poster has a shot that's actually in the movie. And the way the way he frames Morris standing on the mound with the sun right behind him, just creating this silhouette with the oil machines in the background. It's a, it's a really, it's a really nice shot, but overall it's, it's solid. I, I like it. It's, it's nice. Yeah, no, it's, it's, you said it best. It's a Disney movie. It's got the, it's like the arcs, the good, the bad, all like the troubles, trials and tribulation. And then fence finishes with kind of the happy ending. He, you know, gets his chance, all that good stuff. Um, yeah, it's an it, under, it's an underdog movie. And definitely. you kind of, when you hear about an underdog movie, it honestly, if I just tell you the basic plot of the film, you read the IMDb description and it's like, you know, this old pitcher who blew out his arm tries to get in the MLB again on the uh, uh, as a challenge by his players. You're like, OK, I, I think I know where this is going, but, but it's still nice. Sometimes a predictable movie, if it's done well, still it's still nice. It's still enjoyable to watch. Yeah, no doubt about it. That was uh, number 11 on my list. I, I told uh, Ben before the podcast that my list is going to be a little more goofy. It's more of the movies I watch. I watch a, a ton. Of, I don't do a, a ton of the serious stuff, so I'm looking forward to checking out these documentaries and some other ones. And uh, I like The Rookie. It's a good one to just kind of – it's a good one you can put on the background if you want and just kind of uh, remember you've seen mm-hmm. it before type deal. It's it's a, a good heartfelt movie, like you said. So that's number 11 for me. Um, mm-hmm. My number 15 – is one that's probably not on everybody's list. I'm going to be very, very blunt about that, but I think it's one that it makes me laugh a lot. It uh, I don't know if it if it didn't get the proper due it was deserved or if it really wasn't that good of a movie, but I just thought it was kind of goofy and funny. And that's Mr. Baseball with Tom Selleck. I, I absolutely um, – I, I, I told you it's going to be a goofy list. I warned everybody. Um, I really, really enjoy it because it shows like the brash – hardcore used to be great ball player from like New York area and it's just going all downhill and he ends up going to the Japanese league. He gets traded to the Japanese league, which is a whole nother dynamic in itself right there. So he's, you know, didn't really want to be there. He shows up and he thinks he's, you know, king of the world. He's better than everybody and all these scenarios, but uh, it's a funny story on like, he has to learn there's a different way of life. Like when he goes and looks at the bathroom situation, that was hilarious. Um, the language barrier, his, uh, his interpreter is one of the funnier characters in the movie. Um, and then once, once he starts to learn the culture and the way of Japanese baseball, it actually turns into a pretty good baseball movie where like he brings his team back and they become good. And it's kind of got the ups and downs storylines. It's definitely not a Disney movie. I'll be honest about that. But, um, it, I, I really enjoyed it cause it shows a little bit of, uh, 
kind of humility to Mr. Baseball himself, but uh, he basically shows that he can bring, you know, American baseball to Japan and then embrace Japanese baseball, which is a different culture in its own and kind of uh, intertwine it all in it. Uh, you know, you get all the, the bat, bat banging going on, the whole different atmosphere in Japan. It was funny to watch him try to like embrace it all and then finally uh, accepts it and goes from there. So I, I found it very entertaining. It's not everybody's, it's not on everybody's list. I get that, but uh, it's one that I, I didn't mind at all. That's funny. I've I've actually never seen it. Um, it was it was a movie. I like. I'm aware of it. I've I've heard of it. I just never got around to watching it. But it's. Uh, I mean, Tom Selleck. Man, that's like. Was it 1992? That's like. Yep. That's right. That's like peak Tom Selleck, isn't it? I mean. <laughs> yep. It was a heyday for him. It was one of those. It was either he was just looking for a payday, or he really wanted to do a baseball movie. I couldn't quite figure out what it was because I'm looking. It was weird. I'm looking. Yeah, I'm looking at the cast list. Dennis Haysbert is in this. As yep. is he a power hitter again? Is it like? Yeah, he's one of his teammates, I believe, if I remember correctly. Yeah, he's re- it's, resurrecting Pedro Serrano. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was. It, it's, it's quite the quite the uh, the deal. Like, like, it's not the kind of the romance of of a rookie movie, but it's more of a just kind of. Right. Uh, it, it, it's like towards the end of his, you know, once a great player kind of towards the end and it kind of rejuvenates himself in the new culture. Now he's back to being the MVP type guy. It's a, it's a, it's a kind of fun in that respect of the situation. Yeah. I'll have to, I'll have to check it out. It doesn't look like it's streaming anywhere, but when it is streaming somewhere, Oh my God, it's got a 13% on Rotten Tomatoes. I don't, I feel like it's got a, it can't be that bad. <laughs> no, I'm telling you, I'm telling you, it's not for everybody. That's why like, I know people are going to see it and be like, what is Bubba talking about? I totally get it. But it's a, uh, they're not all going to be this bad, I promise. But it's one of those it's like a guilty pleasure one <laughs> hey, where it's just you know what? so bad. Here, here's good. the thing. The thing is, movies, music, books, all of it, it's art. It's all subjective. If it means a lot to you, that's what's important. That's why movies are great. There are so many movies out there. And in fact, you know what's really cool is everybody, everybody can name a movie that's really terrible but they like it because it's terrible because it's funny like you know the room or something like that but there aren't too many people that can find like it's i think it's harder to find a movie that is generally considered bad that you just genuinely love and that you can kind of acknowledge as bad plenty of people will hate on good movies they'll be like Ah, uh, that movie is so overrated everyone thinks the godfather is the greatest movie ever but you know what i think it's trash and but finding a movie that like everybody hates and you're like you know what i like that movie i i really enjoy it. i'm i'm that way about uh batman forever the go. uh the one with uh jim carrey as the riddler i i think it gets way too much hate it's a fun it's a fun little movie i mean obviously you know schumacher then did you know batman and robin and that was trash but <laughs> batman forever it, it gets a lot of hate and i'm like ah it's fun. I like it. It's it's a really enjoyable movie. So that's good. It's good that you that you like a movie like that. Yeah, no, and it's a good point you make, and that's what's the beauty of it all. Because you know, there, there's probably a lot of TV shows that people like that I don't like, or vice versa. And that's the beauty of it. Like you said, is it's all art, and art is different for every uh, type of person. So it's a a good way to to preview this because there's exactly more to come. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, definitely. I mean, that's that that's I've gotten more engagement on this article than I think I've ever gotten on any article I've ever written. I'm, I'm fairly certain there's about 30 comments on the article, which is a lot for a pitcherless article. Like 
we usually get i mean nick's the list mid-season gets i don't know 20 comments yeah <laughs> like and i've just gotten a lot and a lot of it is people like how could you dislike this movie or how could you not have this movie on your list so everybody everybody loves different movies it's it's been funny to see how passionate people are about this and that's the one thing is people are very passionate about things they like that is very very true and if they're you're, they don't oh, realize yeah. it, not everybody is the same oh, yeah. so um interesting there yep let's talk about your number 14 because i honestly i've never even heard of no no a documentary yeah, no, it's really cool. So I assume, do you, I mean, I assume you know the story of Doc Ellis, right? Oh, yes, definitely. Yeah, it's a crazy drug yeah, that's think. crushing it. Yes. Wild, wild story. I, I, I was, I had heard of in the past, I had heard of Doc Ellis's no hitter that he pitched while he was tripping on LSD. Mm-hmm. And as an Orioles fan, I was very aware of the 1971 Pittsburgh Pirates because they beat the Orioles in the World Series. Uh, but, I never really knew much about Doc Ellis aside from like, oh, he's the guy who pitched a world's or pitched a no hitter on LSD, right? That's yeah, that's kind of weird. But this is really cool. A uh, Doc Ellis has a really cool story. Uh, the the documentary itself is primarily about Doc Ellis, the person. The LSD no hitter is definitely an interesting story within the documentary, but it's not all about his crazy no-hitter. What's cool is Doc has a really interesting story. He struggled a lot with alcoholism and drug addiction, uh, especially while he was playing. And he turned it around and later became a drug counselor, which is really cool. Uh, And so it kind of tells his story. The movie also touches a little bit on drug use in major league baseball in the seventies, which uh, is, is kind of wild and not something that I feel like gets talked about enough because we always we're all in this, this could be a whole nother podcast, but we're always happy to yell at the steroid era players mm-hmm. for using steroids. And we're always happy to say, well, Barry Bond shouldn't be on the hall of fame because he cheated. He used steroids and enhanced his performance and he cheated. Mm-hmm. Now, Amphetamines don't have the same effect on you like steroids. But I think it's incredibly hard to argue that they're not performance-enhancing drugs in some way. And I think this film kind of makes that argument too because there are interviews with guys, with former major leaguers, who talk about how much they used amphetamines because they needed to and and it helped their performance. And it's just kind of not talked about despite all these big stars from the 70s just using amphetamines and drugs like crazy in major league baseball. So that, that I thought was a really interesting aspect to the documentary. And also it's a nice little look into the 1971 pirates, which were a, a very groundbreaking team that I honestly, I did not know until watching this documentary. They were the first team to field an all black starting lineup, which is really cool. I had Dave Parker. Yeah. I didn't know. Um, was that 71 or is it later? I could look, I could look up, up their roster. But um yeah, it was a really cool documentary. Um yeah, that was where uh they had Clemente, they had Willie Stargell, um mm-hmm. obviously Ellis, uh lots of guys. Who was it you were saying? I was thinking Dave Parker, but that might be like uh, a little bit different. Like I see uh 
No, he wasn't Mas- on that. Mazarowski. Okay, a little later, a little later on, but uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it was. My I goodness. mean, it's a fantastic team. Fantastic team. So the documentary has got a few different cool aspects to it. Doc's got a great story. The seventy-one pirates are a cool story, uh, and and a little bit of look into drug use in Major League Baseball in the seventies. It it's really doesn't. It's pretty standard for a documentary. It, I. I've always found when you watch documentaries, there's typically when you watch a documentary, it's relatively a standard documentary. It's, you know, interviews with people, archival footage over top of the interviewees talking. And that's fine. That's generally how documentaries go. And if the subject of the documentary is interesting enough, that's perfectly fine. You will find some really cool documentaries that try your creative approach to the documentary. A uh, great example of that is my favorite documentary of all time, One More Time with Feeling, which is a documentary on Nick Cave, who's a um, musician. Uh, I'm not sure if you know him. Um, he had a an album come out uh, years ago called Skeleton Tree. And Skeleton Tree was released, uh, was being recorded and then was released after the death of Nick Cave's son, who accidentally fell off a, a cliff and died. And the documentary is a really, really the emotional process of handling the grief of losing his son and channeling it into his music. It's beautifully shot in like black and white, and they they do these song performances. I love those kinds of documentaries. But a standard interview kind of documentary is still really cool, and that's what this is. It's well paced. It's it's quick. It keeps you interested. It's a cool documentary. I think just baseball fans, baseball history fans, would really really like this. Yeah, I really want to check it out. I think that's very interesting because I've been a a big proponent that uh, the steroid era people forget about the amphetamines, the greenies. You hear stories about guys would have a pots and pots of coffee is coffee before the game and they just load their cup with greenies in it, let them dissolve in there and yeah. drink them. That's like, that's how they got going every day. Yeah. And, um, like I, I say, if you want to build a steroid wing, I'm all for it. If you want to remind people of it, but put the amphetamine wing up, put the cocaine wing up. That was a big era. People forget right. about that. Right. Um, exactly. Oh yeah. Yeah. It, it, it's wild. So yeah, exactly. Uh, that's exactly. That's yeah. That's a huge, that's a huge thing because People, they, there were performance enhancing drugs forever. I, I did. That was another article I did that got a lot of <laughs> hatred on Pitcher List, which was the PED players should be let into the Hall of Fame, and I made an argument for it, essentially saying cheating is a long history in baseball. Mm-hmm. It's not just, it's not just drugs. It's not just you know Willie Mays handing out amphetamines to people. It's it's other players cheating. It's uh, Roger Hornsby writing an entire article saying you got to cheat to win. Like he literally wrote an article <laughs> titled that and said, if I hadn't cheated, I would have had a much shorter career. You know, <laughs> just it's all over the place. So, but that's, that's a topic for another day. I will say just for anybody listening who wants to check out no, no, a documentary it's on Amazon prime. It's on stars. So uh, if you have, it's also on Vudu. Uh, if you have any of those, if you got Amazon Prime, you can watch it for free. It's it's right there. So check it out. I am writing that down right now to check that one out over this uh, 
down period in life. I'll have to definitely check that out. Um, my yeah. number four, my number fourteen is another uh, kind of kids movie. It's more of a fun. I get serious later. I promise. Like right now, it's kind of the. the <laughs> That's okay. Uh, yeah, right now it's more the kid movies where I felt weird leaving them off the list, but we'll get serious probably the next couple episodes. But this this one is one any child remembers it. You did the motions uh, walking around, and it's a, it's a good like you talked about the rookie being a heartfelt Disney movie. This brings it all back. It, it wasn't Disney, I don't believe. Well, maybe it is actually. But um, Angels in the Outfield is one that I absolutely love. Like if you're a kid and you like baseball, <laughs> it's one of the coolest movies like ever. You got. You got this kid that sees the Angels, brings a team back. Like, we've all – well, maybe not everybody, but hey, you're an Orioles fan. I was a Giants fan before the, the last decade. Yes. And we watched a lot of losing baseball. So there was a lot of empty stadiums and things like that going on. Yep. And, and as a fan, as a kid, you're still a diehard fan. The, the kids' stories being, you know, a part of a um, a foster home and they get to watch games. It means the world to them. They have their favorite players. And then all of a sudden they, 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 they make a prayer and the Angels – show up in the outfield to help the angels out. It's a really cool kind of a thing. If you're a kid, you have the imagination that you could do stuff like this. You believe in, you know, higher, not, I'm not going to say higher beings, but just like, you know, you, you know, ghostbusters, you believe in ghosts, you believe in different things that can make a, a reality possible. So I, I found it very fun. It's very like lightning movie. Uh, it's for anybody that, that likes it. And it intertwines baseball very well. And the part I liked about it intertwining baseball is for people that love baseball, these kids love a baseball, help them, um, you know, find something brighter in their day. And that, that was always good because, you know, I've never lived in a foster home, luckily, but I know a lot of people have, and it does not seem like the uh, best environment to be a part of. So to have this kind of outlet of baseball, which many of us, many of us use to kind of get over other issues in our lives or any day-to-day things to watch the kids do it and then bring, you know, winning culture to that to top it off, I thought was was a, a great way to make a movie, and uh, I really really enjoyed Angels in the Outfield. Yeah, it's a it's a fun movie. I, that was one that a lot of people were like, "How is that not on your list?" <laughs> I saw it as a kid a few times. Um, it's definitely it's a nice movie. Like you said, yeah. it's a, it's a perfectly fine kids movie. There's some aspects to it that I'm kind of like, eh, you know. Uh, but think about it, think about it this way. The movie is very interesting if the angels are an allegory for steroids. Oh, look at you. Spin zone. (laughs) Spin zone. No. (laughs) That's, yeah, exactly. No, and you get to see a very young Joseph Gordon Levitt. Mm -hmm. It's It's a nice movie. It's funny. Christopher Lloyd is very, very funny in it. And that was, that was, I think that was the first time I ever saw Christopher Lloyd in a movie. When I was a kid, I think that was the first first thing I ever saw him in. So you, you saw and that before he, Back to the Future? Oh, yeah, 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 for sure. Well, I mean, so remember, this movie came out in 94. I probably yeah. saw it when I was like eight, which would okay. have been about 1990. I'm sorry, about 1998, 1999. So I saw that. I, I grew up in a family that was pretty strict about uh, what movies I was and was not allowed to see. Gotcha. Uh, it, it was very yeah. My first PG thirteen movie I saw in theaters was the first Spider Man, which I had to gotcha. pitch to my parents. I mean, I had to pitch it, <laughs> and like I had to be like, "Look, here's what stylized violence means," and that the MPAA <laughs> is stylized violence in this, and really what it is is cartoonish violence. And come on, it's Spider Man. Let me see it. I was eleven. 
again, I'm making this pitch. And then the first R-rated movie I ever saw in theaters was The Passion of the Christ because, of course, <laughs> I came yes, from a, of course. I come from a very religious. I grew up uh, super religious, and uh, <laughs> my grandmother was like, "I'd like to take Ben to go see The Passion of the Christ," and I was like. I think a teenager, I don't remember when that came out and uh, it was, it was okay. Cause you know, it's about Jesus and then I'm watching it and it's so violent. Yes. It is so incredibly violent. And I'm just like, this is a Quentin Tarantino movie in Latin. Like, what are you doing? Letting me see this, but it's about Jesus. So it's okay to see it's okay. like a whip ripped his flesh off as yeah. crazy. But anyways, I digress. Angels in the outfield is less violent than the passion of the Christ. Yes. And that's where I'll leave it. <laughs> I love, I, I, I don't want to go down a passion of the Christ rabbit hole here, but I absolutely loved your comparison there. It's, it's Quentin Tarantino movie with religion. That is one of the fa- greatest quotes. I've right. Ever heard. That's, that's so good. <laughs> that's really what it is. It's so incredibly violent. It's all in Latin. 2004. It came out in 2004. So I was 13 when in 2004 it came out. And that was, that was, Three years, I had to basically do a whole PowerPoint presentation to get my parents to let me go see Spider Man in 2001. <laughs> but 2001, I was like, I'm going to take Ben to see Passion of the Christ. My parents are like, cool, R rated, see ya. Like, <laughs> whatever. Grandma knows best. We're good. <laughs> it was weird. Yeah, yeah. Grandma will take me. Yeah. That's the Jesus Christ Chainsaw Massacre. But yeah, that's okay for Ben to see. Whatever. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's outstanding. Outstanding. <laughs> All right. Uh what is your number thirteen movie? My number thirteen movie is The Natural, which I think a lot of people would have uh higher up. Mm-hmm. I I I'm kind of conflicted with the natural because there's a lot of stuff I really, really like about it. And there's just the my biggest problem is is the story, the writing. It kind of it kind of got away from me. I will say I'm going to preface this by saying spoilers for the natural. I'm going to do spoilers. So if you <laughs> don't watch for the, I mean, the movie's been out since 1984. But if you don't want to hear spoilers for the natural, start hitting the 15 seconds ahead button and skip this section. But, okay, spoilers. Now, the natural. It starts off with this serial killer, I think... I, this this woman who have you seen the natural? I, I yes, it, it's, I, it's 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 my number eight. Oh my god! Okay, this will be great. So we start off with this this serial killer. I think who we don't know anything about her. Like we know nothing about her. She shoots Robert Redford's character. She was killing other athletes. I think is that what her mo was? Why did she target Robert Redford when he had never stepped into the majors at all? Why did she kill herself? Was she ever caught or was she caught later? I just nobody seems to care about the serial killer after she shoots Robert Redford. It's sort of like she's just this mechanism like for Robert Redford's story to happen. This just was not addressed in any way at all, which was just really weird to me. It's, I don't know. I feel like you could have gotten him shot in a more organic way. But then later we get Robert Redford's 
whatever. I I'm I'm fine if you want to have a magic bat. Okay, cool. But like to literally hit the cover off of a baseball on command, like okay, <laughs> to make to make the lights explode into fireworks, like that's not how lights in baseball stadiums work. It really isn't. Like if you knock out a light, the light bulb goes out and that's it. It does not set off a chain reaction where everything's exploding and like that's just that's not how lights work and and then also like the explanation like why robert redford's character can't play baseball is say like the doctor just comes in and says your stomach lining is deteriorating and if you play baseball it will kill you and i'm like specifically baseball like he doesn't say Hey, avoid picking up heavy things or maybe don't go for a jog or don't play football. Like he specifically says, like, if you play football or if you play baseball, it will kill you. It just I don't know. And because the stomach lining is deteriorating, I don't know. It just a lot of the plot, a lot of the writing required the suspension of disbelief. That was just a little too much for me. And it was. I'm willing to suspend disbelief for a lot of movies, but for that, it was just, it was a little too much. It was so much. It was distracting. Like it was almost distracting that I was sitting there going like, really, this, this can't happen. Now this sounds like I really don't like the movie, but I actually do <laughs> like okay, That's movie. what I was about to say. You're making me rethink things no, big know, time right now. Like, no, no, oh, no, 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 no. I, I actually do like the movie. It's literally just some aspects of the writing where I'm like, what? Okay. But, Regard like it is so well shot, like it is a beautiful movie to look at. The art direction, the cinematography is fantastic. The lights exploding at the end, yeah, it's kind of dumb that it happens, but man, does it look good! I mean, it makes for some incredible visuals as he's running around. That's an iconic scene, and for good reason, not just because of where it happens in the movie or why it happens, but because it looks fantastic. It's very the the film it's very warm it's just it's really well shot it's a beautiful movie to look at from start to finish the performances are really good robert redford is extremely handsome and very is very much. good oh yeah he's like peak handsome robert redford <laughs> um glenn close is great she's great in everything all the time mm-hmm. you get a a nice young you get a, a young michael madsen which is neat to see just kind of plays michael madsen but regardless it's cool and wilford brimley plays a, is really good yes. at playing this grizzled old school manager darren mcgavin the the dad from a christmas story is a good villain uh robert duvall's just kind of there i mean he's good but he's just kind of <laughs> there um it, it's like it's kind of funny throughout the whole movie robert duvall's character is just like hey i'm important and let me tell you how important i am just like, <laughs> but he stole that. He, he stole really that from Wilford Brimley's book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just. It, but he does a really good job. Uh, every every character in the film is is cool. Is pretty well written. Really well performed. It looks really nice. It's it's just the only thing. Literally, my only problem with it is there are just some parts of the story where I'm like, what? Like I don't I don't. And if it was just serial killer or if it was just the magic bat or just the medical explanation 
I'd be like, yeah, whatever, fine. You know, suspension of disbelief, whatever. But like, just so it just felt like it was piling on. And so that was just a little bit much for me. But otherwise, it's it's a really it's a cool movie. It's it is fun to watch if you can get past that. And I know some people are going to hear me say this and be like, "Ugh, you're overanalyzing this like so lame. Why can't you just watch a movie and like it and just enjoy it? And I get that. Maybe it's maybe that's just me. But uh, there are definitely some things to really, really like about the movie. So it it's not a bad movie. I don't want anyone to think I hate it. There's just some parts of it that left me kind of going, what? But it's nice. It's a good movie. And I understand why people have it so high. I get it. Yeah, no, I, I like that. Um, I like what you said, though, because it made me think. I never really thought about the serial killer aspect of it. The medical part made me laugh once you started breaking it down because I just kind of played it off as whatever. <laughs> because, you know. Yeah, after, well, like, yeah. Because I think after I, I think I saw it probably after Kurt Gibson's home run in '88, so like there's a lot of similarities sure. there. You know, Kurt Gibson's not supposed <laughs> yeah, to hit, yeah, yeah. and he comes up and hits a bomb, and you're like, you can picture the the lights exploding and everything. Oh and yeah, just, yeah, exactly. Just one of those things as as you watch it as a kid. I, like I haven't rewatched really it as an adult probably in probably it's probably been over ten years since I've seen The Natural. I just remember watching it when I was younger and how much I enjoyed it. I bet you if I watched it now. I probably see a lot. Of, I, I'm I'm probably gonna rewatch all of these now because you're bringing up very very good I would, points. I would recommend. Yeah, I had to a lot of the movies that I had seen before. I had to rewatch because I wanted to have it fresh in my mind when I wrote a review of it, and I also didn't want to have it clouded by nostalgia. And some some of these movies on my list, they are a little bit clouded by nostalgia, just just because that's kind of how movies work, and it happens. Mm-hmm. It's okay. Um, but I wanted to have a fresh perspective on it when I wrote a review on it, but yeah, I would recommend rewatching it. It's just, there's just some parts that just the serial killer thing for me. I'm just like, there's a better way to do that. You know, he yeah. gets mugged and he gets shot. There you go. You know, yeah. whatever, it, it, you know, it feels kind of generic, but you can do that. You don't have to have this whole, if you're going to have the serial killer address the fact that she's a serial killer. Like at all, you know, just have a headline in the newspaper, athlete killer caught, something like that. Like that's it. Just it just feels weird that just like no one talks about it. Like yeah, this it it would be like if we caught if we caught Ted Bundy and like nobody paid it. Like no one was like yeah yeah sure, and like that was it. <laughs> like afterwards, nobody remembers him. Nobody ever talks about him. Like just I don't know. If that felt a little weird and unnecessarily weird, it'd be like watching Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and pretending that the ranch never happened. It'd be, it'd be fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's like, <laughs> oh yeah, Manson. Yeah, that was the thing. Like at yep. a time, yeah. exactly. No big deal. Nothing, nothing to see like, here. Just a flamethrower yeah, exactly. in the pool. It's okay. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. No big deal. <laughs> yeah. But uh, no, I'm about to check that out. Uh, good movie. Very good movie. I, I enjoyed it quite a bit a while back. Again, a lot of this is nostalgia here. And number 13 is definitely one because I watched it as a kid. And as a kid, my nerding for baseball started very young. Like I used to take um, score books to the games and keep score all night innings while kids were playing with peanuts and doing goofy things. I was like into baseball from the get-go. And that's how I was. So I always envisioned myself, you know, managing teams. Like if we were playing cup ball after a Little League game, whatever game's going on, I was the one ramrodding things. I wanted to be the manager of the situation. So my number thirteen oh, is a little did big. You, did you did you keep score at games? Oh yeah, yeah. I brought my yeah. own scorebook and everything. Oh yeah, it was hard. You brought your own scorebook. Now that's yes. hardcore. That yes. is that's 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 next. That's galaxy brain level 
uh, baseball nerd. I just did the scorebook that was in the program. That was that's you want to know you want to know how bad it was because I would keep score for our little league teams instead of the coaches doing it. So I would take those books home and I would keep score of games on TV. Ah, that's cool. Yeah, I used to keep score for. So my dad used to coach my brother in little league, and I used to be the scorekeeper for the team. Mm -hmm. And I actually went so far as to keep running uh, Excel spreadsheets, stat books, stats of of yeah of the of these like eight year olds. (laughs) Like it was this guy's hitting seven (laughs) twenty. I would do that. We'd have our pizza party at the end of the year. I'm like, yeah, this guy hit two seventy eight. This one because the old yeah, books they yeah, had yeah. the logs. So you, you didn't need a calculator. You could just go see it in the back. It was it was yeah. the best. My first paid you know, job. Well, my first paid yeah, job ahead, was actually man. being a was being a little league scorekeeper. They paid us seven bucks a game. Plus, you got a piece of pizza and a small soda to uh, keep oh, score in, in the score booth. It was awesome. Man, you got paid. That's sick. <laughs> I uh, you know it's you know what's funny is I feel like keeping score is a lost art. It is. Like I um I my nine year old plays baseball and last season they needed somebody to keep score and it was always the coach's dad who always mm-hmm. would keep score. This you know older guy looked like he was like in his sixties. He was always going to keep score. And then one game he was gone, and the coach was like, uh, "Anybody know how to keep score?" And like every single parent was like looking around, like I don't know. And I was like, "I I'll do it." I can keep score. It's fine. And I was I was the go-to scorekeeper after that. After if ever the coach's dad wasn't there, it was like, hey, Ben, can you keep score? Because I was apparently the only parent who knew how to keep score for baseball. That's and funny. Just, I'm so sad. It's such a it's so fun. I, I love keeping score and I need to do it next time I go to a baseball game. I, I always end up not doing it for some dumb reason. Yeah, I was just laughing about that with some guys the other day. I'm like, I don't remember the last time I kept score in a game because you know, now I go with a bunch of buddies or you know couples or something. It's just not the same anymore. But uh, I might have to right. Well, and you have to, to pay attention out. too. You have to you have to pay mm-hmm. close attention to be able to keep score. You can't be distracted for an inning or whatever. Yep. You know, yeah, you, you can't be asking around. Hey, what what happened? You know, because then it it gets all messed up. So that means you have to like you have to be with people who really want to sit and watch the game, not exactly. like a group of friends who want to chat and drink beers. Yep, and that's the problem. Therein lies the problem. Um, all right, so my number 13, Little Big League. It is not another one that's played on everybody's list, but I absolutely <laughs> love the idea of a kid managing a baseball team. And that's where I was going with all the scorekeeping and everything. He walks in there. One of the best scenes that I, in the movie that I love is when, the you know, obviously the kid's grandpa is the owner of the Twins, and the, the grandpa dies, so the kid inherits it. The team's losing the manager doesn't want to work for a kid, so the kid says fine, basically, and he'll manage the team. But uh, before he gets the gig, the uh, the assistant coach basically gives him a quiz on, you know, what are you going to do in the bottom of the eighth? Gives him this whole rundown. He, he tells him who's in the bullpen, who's this, who's that. He runs every scenario through the book, and it's like I don't think Buck Showalter could have answered this question. That's how bad it was. He doesn't know how to use a bullpen. It was absolutely amazing. Uh, what this Man, kid taking do. shots, taking shots at Buck. <laughs> Well, he can't cut he can't, to, you can't. know the man doesn't even have a job right now. <laughs> you can't forgive the you can't forgive that economy, playoff game. <laughs> I mean, look, I am sad that he neglected to bring in his closer in what was one of the, if not the <laughs> most crucial moment of an entire season. But and instead brought in Ubaldo Jimenez of all people. <laughs> I mean, he could have he could have closed his eyes and pointed at someone in the crowd. And the thing was, he was in Toronto. He would have likely gotten a fan of the Blue Jays and still probably would have been better off 
than putting Ubaldo Jimenez out there. It's sad though. You know, it's sad. I love Ubaldo. I really do. Like, what could have been? What could have been? Oh man! And it's all it's all because of his delivery. His mm-hmm. delivery was so inconsistent, but he was so. I remember the year after he was one of the years he was really really terrible for the Orioles. I went to Orioles Fan Fest the next year, and the whole time they they used to do these fan forums where they would have the players get on stage and fans would ask questions and stuff. And the whole time, man, Ubaldo was like apologizing to the fans. Oh no! He kept he constantly he clearly felt terrible that he was so bad, and he just was like, "I'm really working on it. I really want to be better. I really want to do better." And he just he clearly was like really affected by it, and I felt so bad for him. I was rooting so hard for him because he was just he really cared, like he really really cared that he was not pitching well, and you could you could tell it was really affecting him. It's sort of like the same way I feel about Chris Davis. Like you can tell this like Davis being bad really. There's that that Sports Illustrated profile. I don't know if you read where they were like talking about how Davis was like in tears sobbing at his kitchen table because he was playing so poorly and he's thinking like I should just retire and just quit and just like I I feel for the guy and I I felt the same way for Baldo I'm like man I really want you to be better because I know this is really like bumming you out Mm-hmm. So, yes. anyways, I don't even. Know. That's oh, I was. No. You were bad mouthing Buck Showalter. That's Showalter. what happened. I had to because the kid, <laughs> the kid on Little Big League, knew the answer to all these yeah, questions. Yeah. It was amazing, but uh, yeah. Then the kid's mom starts dating the first baseman, and that's a whole other thing. Uh, it was, it, it was, it's probably not the best uh, overall film, but the storyline I absolutely loved. As a kid watching another kid get to run a baseball team, uh, when this movie was made, I was like eleven years old. So I know I'm a little older than you, but I, I felt um, I could relate to this kid going, oh, man, and if, you know, Roger Craig was done managing the Giants and they didn't sign uh, Dusty Baker, I could do it. Will Clark, Matt Williams, Kevin Mitchell, I got this. <laughs> I, I had it all planned out, but um, I really enjoyed Little Big. Like, it's not like the greatest, you know, overall cinematic beauty, but I think just the storyline is so much fun. I like it more than the Angels in the Outfield, and it's just one of those movies. You don't see movies like this anymore. Uh, where kids can just, you know, kind of have that advantage. The old, the adults still always kind of, um, you know, are always in charge of the kids for the most part on things we watch. But for this, the, the kid got to take charge and going through the locker room and, you know, trying to uh, be the adult in the room with a bunch of, you know, rich ki- uh, players that didn't want to listen to him. I found it very entertaining. Yeah, I actually have never seen it. I, it's, uh, it's, it's on my list of movies I need to see at some point. But you know what's funny is I was just looking this up. The guy who directed Little Big League, he has mm-hmm. never directed another movie. Oh, that's a bad sign. It's he he directed Little Big. No, he's he's written some movies and he's primarily a producer. It seems. Um, he was actually a producer of Seinfeld for a couple of years, and he produced When Harry Met Sally, Princess Bride, Stand by Me. Pretty good list. Wow. I, yeah, that's a pretty solid list. Though his <laughs> his filmography as a screenwriter is not great. The Kangaroo. Jack sequel, not great. <laughs> Oops. I didn't even know they, they did a sequel to Kangaroo Jack. I think who, I don't think like, they wanted honestly, any of us to know that. It was directed video. Who like who looked at Kangaroo Jack and was like, you know what that movie needs? <laughs> Another one. <laughs> oh man, that's outstanding. Oh god. Anyways, uh, so yes, Little Big League. Yeah, and, and, <laughs> I there's, need to and, see and, and there's there's cameos from pros like the Griffey's in this and hits a bomb. 
uh, it's it's fun. It's fun. It's worth checking out. But uh, what's your number twelve? Number twelve on my list is Eight Men Out. Similar to Little Big, not even, not not even a little, (laughs) (laughs) not even close. Great, great, great pivot. Uh, Yeah. So Eight Men Out. um, If you don't know what Eight Men Out is, it's the story of the Chicago Black Sox scandal. I think just about every baseball fan knows about the Black Sox, especially thanks to Field of Dreams. Um, but the story the story is really, really interesting. And it really drives the entire movie. Uh, it's got... The cast is ridiculous. I mean, the cat... That, that's kind of the first thing you notice in 8 Men Out. The cast is absurd. Like, you've got John Cusack. You've got Charlie Sheen. You've got Michael Rooker. You got DB Sweeney, uh, you got Christopher Lloyd, John Mahoney, Bill Irwin, I, just a lot of great actors, and every single one of them does a really, really good job. I think, like I said, m- most of what makes this movie good is the story, just because it's a crazy, really interesting story, especially the story of Shoeless Joe Jackson. Um, I kind of. I kind of wish there there was a little bit of potential that was wasted with the movie because I really would have I really would have liked to have seen more emotion from the film. It, it feels kind of it feels kind of like a living Wikipedia page, which sometimes happens with biopics. Uh you know, it's like this happened, this happened, this happened. Uh again, thankfully it's a fascinating story, so even a living Wikipedia page film is is still really good and still really interesting. But I would have loved to have kind of seen a little more. I mean, you'd have to take a little bit of creative license with it, but to see kind of a deeper look into the con- the internal conflict that some of the players mm-hmm. had, especially Shoeless Joe and Buck Weaver, with their decision whether or not to throw the world. To, they they kind of dive a little bit into Buck Weaver, but it's not a whole lot. It's just kind of like a like I said, it's a sequence of events. The story is really, really interesting. I would have liked to have seen a little bit more from it, but overall, the cast is fantastic. They all do a really, really good job. It's it's well done. I, I liked I liked seeing the way they designed, you know, the, the costumes and everything of the old old school baseball uniforms. Uh, so yeah, it's but it, it's a good movie. Absolutely worth watching. I, I would have I would have liked to have seen them take a little bit more creative license with it and kind of drive it a little bit more with characters but overall it's it's a good movie it's it's enjoyable yeah i absolutely love eight men out i have it higher up on my list i'm a big big fan of the movie uh just this the story of the black Sox scandal is a great story they portray that pretty darn well um you mentioned the cast i i couldn't imagine getting a cast like that now to do a movie like this that's an outstanding outstanding cast it's ridiculous what they especially for a baseball movie because if you think about it most baseball movies we watch, it's like, okay, Costner's in it and then a bunch of kind of younger guys. Like, this had a full <laughs> It's Kevin Costner and whoever he can recruit. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Like, this is like the only other movie off the top of my head that I can think of that cast like this is like Young Guns. Young Guns has like a loaded cast of like talented okay. younger yeah. people. But I could be wrong. There's probably others too, but similar situation yeah, there. I'm sure, but... Absolutely love it. You make a great point. Um, I wish we got to, because you could see that kind of trials and tribulation. Um, with Shoeless Joe and them, but we don't get to see enough. Like you see some of them coming out of hotel rooms with like, you know, money getting dropped off and this, that, and the other, but you don't really get to see the strife of it all. Like you're saying, you don't get to see them 
maybe, you know, talking to each other about it. Cause it wasn't just like, you know, it was an easy decision. Probably like, Oh yeah, sure. No, there was probably some back and right, forth. Right. Exactly. More than we saw. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And, and I think the cast was so good. I mean, those are they, some they really could, good they actors. They could have done some great scenes. Right. They could have like, they had the capability to really show internal conflict. And honestly, you wouldn't have even needed to add it, add all that much to the mm-hmm. film. You you could have just kind of added a few scenes here and there to just show how painful of a decision this was, especially for guys like Shoeless Joe and Buck Weaver, especially mm-hmm. because they were a little bit more morally conflicted, I think, than others. So I would have liked to have seen that. But yeah, overall, it's still it's a solid movie with a fantastic cast. Yeah, for for baseball fans, like a lot of my movies, if you're a baseball fan, you probably don't need to see them because they're more just like goofy movies. This is one as a baseball fan, like I highly recommend watching. It's a a very very good movie just for the history of baseball and the overall acting of it. It's great and like uh, man, like oh, man, you got me thinking about it now. It'd be great. Like they could have just done a simple like post game locker room, like guys getting dressed and talking about stuff. And you know, there's there's Joe sitting in his locker, right, kind of depressed, thinking about it. Like so simple. Yeah, you could you could have added stuff in. Yeah, exactly. And it just 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 to give a little emotional aspect to it, because, you know, even if it didn't literally happen, we don't have documentation of it necessarily happening. You know, it happened in some form or another. You know that this was painful for those guys and and a difficult decision. So, yeah, I would have liked to have seen them show that a little bit. But that's honestly, that's kind of a minor like. You know, it's kind of the end of the movie. I'm like, ah, bummer. Like, that would have been cool. But overall. Yeah, very, very much so. My number 12, I told you guys uh, at the beginning of this that this was like a childhood uh, reenactment part of my list. And if I like Little Big League because the kid got to be the manager, I like Rookie of the Year more because he got to be the starting pitcher. So (laughs) um, good old Henry Rowan Gardner, just, you know, in the outfield, you know, you see Falls, you know, playing – Playing on a, I can't remember what he fell on now, but um, messed up his shoulder. And now he's just got this cannon, and of course he's in Wrigley where you throw the home run back, and he throws a seed to home plate, and somehow they allow him to call the guy out, which is pretty entertaining to me because so far fetched from the truth. <laughs> but um, that that part's funny, and then just to go through <laughs> and uh, you know strike out all these guys, I thought the acting was great. Like uh, Gary Busey was just very very funny in the movie, uh, and then some of the other coaches and and, and whatnot in that locker room. It, it was not really the best of baseball playing films. Like eight and out, they played great baseball on the field, stuff along those lines. But just the kind of goofiness, you know, the kids are in the his, his best buddies are always in the stands, rooting him on. And then when he when he loses his ability to throw gas, he goes back old school and throws the Ephus pitch to strike a guy out in the playoffs where, you know, Wrigley and the Cubs can't win a World Series and the horse Henry takes him back to the promised land. All that great stuff. It is one of the better kids' movies out there. And I think if you're a kid and you like baseball, you saw Rookie of the Year. So I'm a, I'm a big Rookie of the Year fan. You know, it's funny. It's another – a lot of these more kids-oriented movies I haven't seen. Rookie of the it Year shows is our, another it one. Shows our pers- it shows our uh, our brain differences. You're so much more intellectual <laughs> than me. <laughs> oh, no. I wouldn't say that. Uh, <laughs> but Rookie of the Year. Rookie of the Year is definitely one I've heard of. And I know, yeah, Busey's in it. John Candy's in it, too. Uh, he's a good and one. you get a, and you get um what's his name the janitor from Scrubs I forget the guy's name he pops up in it um but 
Yeah, I I haven't actually seen the movie. I, I need to I need to check it out. It's it seems like a fun a fun kids movie. It's gonna be fun through through these these podcasts going through baseball movies. I'm gonna watch all these really smart documentaries that I'm gonna love now that I'm older. And you're gonna go back with these kids movies that I recommend you watch with your kids, so you don't feel so bad sitting through it. <laughs> yeah, all. i i i should I should watch some of these honestly with my kids. I think they would enjoy them. I think they kind enjoy of going them. through. We've been yeah they we've been kind of going through classic Disney movies because uh, they haven't really seen many of the classic Disney films because they're kind of not out now that now they are on Disney Plus but before Disney Plus the Disney you know if you wanted to go watch the Little Mermaid you had to own it like you had to buy it and that was it like it wasn't streaming anywhere so now that we have Disney Plus we're kind of going through all these we watched Cinderella earlier tonight which I haven't seen in a billion years. Uh, so, but yeah, once we kind of go through those, I think we should definitely start watching some of these kids baseball movies. Yeah. I'd love to hear back on, on how they take it. Cause I, like I said, I watched most of, most of these as a kid. I probably would not feel the same way about them now, but it's just kind of that part of me remembering them as a kid, how much I enjoyed them. And, uh, I'll always kind of cherish them in that respect as a uh, baseball movies. Um, I said my number 11 is the rookie. We talked about the rookie already. So as we wrap up this list tonight, who is your number 11? Yeah. My number 11 is a another documentary. It's called Ball Player Pelotero. Um, it's a really, really interesting documentary. Uh, if you haven't heard about it, it's it's okay. I mean, it, it's not... It, it makes a lot of lists of like good baseball movies, but it's not, for whatever reason, it just kind of never got a ton of publicity. It's a really cool documentary on how the MLB recruits players in the Dominican Republic for the international signing period in July. And it's a fascinating kind of dive into the topic. Um, It specifically kind of dives into how the MLB tries to take advantage of these kids who are very poor, come from poor families, but are really talented at baseball and are kind of counting on baseball being their ticket out of poverty. Because, I mean, you know, these guys who sign these international deals, these are like 17, 16, 17-year-old kids who are signing, you know, $5 million bonuses just to sign with major leagues. I mean, that's huge. If you grow up in poverty in the Dominican Republic, that is that is massive. A guy like Jason Dominguez this past year, you know, something like that. So it kind of, it kind of it really looks at that, and it does not provide a particularly positive perspective on major league baseball that was quite some alliteration right there (laughs) that's pretty good (laughs) yeah (laughs) it was totally accidental it does not mlb is not represented very positively in this film at all which i think is kind of important to notice because they are kind of taking advantage of these teenagers it takes a really really critical stance in the mlb and almost kind of like it kind of plays out the recruiting process as this almost form of like indentured slavery or something like that, where it's just like this is their only shot and they they got to work for the team or else their their lives are kind of ruined. And it specifically looks at Giancarlo Batista and Miguel Sano as two prospects who at the time were hot international prospects. Batista's story is very heartwarming. Uh, He lost his dad at the age of 10, and his coach kind of becomes a surrogate father for him, which is really sweet. 
Batista is not this incredible talent like Sano was at the time, but he's a solid player. His story, his story is interesting and it's, and it's very sweet. Uh, in later on, I don't think Batista really became much of anything in the major leagues, but Sano, we all know, obviously. Mm-hmm. And he was, I didn't realize, um, the story like that was going on with him, especially the, controversy over whether or not he really was the age that he said he was uh and they kind of dive into that and specifically they kind of dive into how Sano had to jump through all of these hoops over and over and over again to prove that he really was the age he said he was and that was tried to they tried to a lot of teams tried to use that on him as a bargaining chip to kind of show like, Hey, you know, you have this whole controversy going on. Look, we're going to pay you this. It's a little less than probably what you were expecting, but you know, you're not going to be able to get this huge bonus you wanted because of this crazy controversy. Specifically, the Pittsburgh pirates really tried to do that with Sano and they have cameras that show like what the pirates recruiters were saying to him. And, yeah, I won't spoil it, but it is not a good look for the Pirates at all. They really tried to lowball him, and they really tried to play him bad. So it's it's kind of it's it's a bummer that this is how the MLB system works. But I think Pelotero is a good film to watch because it's important to be aware of how this system works. I don't personally know how we can make the system better. Uh, you know, it's not it's not something I've really thought too hard about. Um, and obviously, we've gotten some fantastic players from the international system. But it's interesting to look at how some players get left out. Some of these talented 16, 17-year-olds kind of get left by the wayside because they're just not good enough and what kind of effect that has on them. Batista is a great example of that. So it's it's an interesting topic I knew very little about virtually nothing about honestly i i just knew that players from the dominican republic signed in july and that was pretty much it so kind of diving into the recruitment process and how that works it's it's interesting there's one scout in the film who talks about sano and the quote is he says at the end of the day he's merchandise wow so <laughs> yeah exactly and that kind of gives you an idea of how this film portrays mlb it's it's not a great look but it's it's an interesting topic to look into. Yeah, I've never heard of this one, but it it sounds very very interesting. I knew the I knew it wasn't the most up and up quality system that went on down there. I was I was aware of that, but not to this level. And I did not really did a documentary on it. That's really interesting to see. I, I'm wondering if you know since in recent years, I know they have academies down there. All all the teams have like you know kind of fields and, and situations for different players. So it seems like it's better. Maybe this documentary helped take it in that direction. Yeah, it's, so, it's, uh, it's worth it's worth mentioning that this film came out in 2012. So mm-hmm. it is entirely possible that this system has changed a lot in eight years. I, I honestly don't know. Yeah, that's uh, what I'm saying. So, maybe maybe it helped push the change or something along those lines. Yeah, I'd I'd be real interested to see how how that goes. I'd, I'd like to. Uh, I wonder if you know maybe one day they can make another one of how it goes nowadays. I'd imagine there's still some problems in certain countries because you can't have amazing facilities everywhere. We're getting players besides just the Dominican. Uh, we got Venezuela yeah. and all, and all yeah. over the place. So you'd imagine it's still pretty rough 
in certain aspects. So that's that's an interesting documentary. I have not even seen well, that it's, one before. It's, I mean, if you if you think about it, it's kind of inevitable that the MLB would do something like this because you have these these kids sign at 16, 17 years old. Baseball is all they know. They know they can basically lift them and their families out of poverty with one bonus. I mean, $5 million to a 16 or 17-year-old kid mm-hmm. growing up in poverty in the Dominican Republic, that's insane. And regardless of how the rest of their career goes, that bonus alone can kind of lift their family out of poverty. It's kind of inevitable that a gigantic corporation like the MLB would view these kids as merchandise and kind of try and yep. take advantage of that. And well, it's so kind of what, I, I it's kind of what you see better. now. Exactly. It's, it's, I, it, I well, it's what you see now with these. Better. It's what you see now with these kids getting their extensions. Like we, you know, the Albies and the Acunas and the Lewis Roberts, like they're great extensions, but everyone says they deserve more money. But for them, that's such life changing money. It's like, it's hard to say no to. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So it's, it's an interesting, it's, it's not the happiest of documentaries. It's not a total bummer, but it's, it's an interesting one and a topic it's important to be aware of. If you want to watch it, it is available on Hoopla, which if you don't know what Hoopla is, there are two apps that uh, are incredible, Hoopla and Canopy with a K. Both of those apps are free streaming movies available through your library. They All you have to do is enter your library card number. Uh, some libraries only do Hoopla. Some libraries only do Canopy. So that's why there's two of them. They both, you just enter your library card number, create an account with that library card number through the app, and you have access to, I think it's about 10 movies a month that you can stream, and they have some really good movies. Pelotero's on Hoopla. Canopy has essentially every movie that A24 has put out, so like Lady Bird, uh, Midsummer, uh, movies like that. They're just available for free. If you have a library card, they're free. They're there. Um, and awesome. Canopy also has a lot of the a decent bit of the Criterion collection. Ever since Criterion put out their own streaming service, they've lost some of that. But there's there's a decent bit of old, harder to find kind of art house films on Canopy too. So if you want to watch Pelotero, it's on Hoopla. It's also on I guess Sports Illustrated has their own film streaming service. I'm not sure. I'm using um a website that everybody should use. I love it. It's called JustWatch.com. JustWatch is a film streaming search engine. It's the best thing ever. If you have a movie and you're like, you know what? I really want to watch this movie. Is it streaming anywhere? Search the movie. Boom. Pops up on JustWatch. And it tells you where it's streaming. If it's streaming. Is is it on Netflix? Is it on Stars, HBO? As far as obscure as Hoopla and apparently Sports Illustrated who has a movie streaming service i did not know so it's it's on on there which is what i do on there i love it just watch is great they have an app they have the website it's fantastic so if you've never heard of just watch use it use it use it it's super super useful because the thing that always happens to me when i'm trying to figure out what movie to watch (laughs) is i'm scanning netflix forever and ever and ever and ever and i spend 30 minutes scanning netflix and i say screw it i'll just watch parks and rec 
I watch Parks and Rec. <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's, um, not a ba- that's not a bad alternative. No, no, not a bad alternative at all. But mm-hmm. that happens for my brother. It's, you know what, I'll just rewatch The Office for the eighth time. People do that <laughs> because yeah. it's just there's so, so much content out there that it's hard to sit there and be like, what movie do I want to watch? Well, let me look through everything that HBO's got and everything that Stars has. And I'll look through everything that Showtime has and also everything that Netflix has, and then I'll pick a movie. You can't do that. So you create a watch list on Just Watch. You can filter your watch list by streaming service. So you say, oh, I've only got Netflix, I've got Hulu, and I've got HBO Go. So I'll filter by that. And then on your watch list, you're like, oh, cool, this one's on Netflix now. I'll do that. It's so useful. I sound like I'm an employee for Just Watch, but I'm really not. (laughs) They are not a sponsor, uh, nor do I work for them. They are just so useful, and I use it all of the time. I create a whole watch list of movies that I want to see at some point, and then when I decide I want to watch a movie, I open up my watch list. You can sort it by random, and I just pick the first movie that pops up. takes all the decision-making out of it. It's amazing. Use it. And if you want to watch Pelotero, it's on Hoopla, so check it out. That's outstanding. I have to go check that out. I even know it existed. So uh, that's pretty yeah, cool exactly. stuff. Yeah, exactly. It, uh, it, yeah, it's great. Yeah, absolutely amazing. So uh, that's awesome to hear. And um, this was fun. First of uh, a few of these we're going to do here going through yeah, baseball movies. And the beauty of it is it helped just talk about baseball. We just started going down rabbit holes all over the place. So it, it was a ton oh, of fun. Oh, yeah, then. absolutely. No, it's it's a lot of fun. I love, I watch a lot, a lot of movies every year. And I love talking about movies. I love watching movies. Uh, so I'm I'm always down to talk movies and especially baseball. It's like my two favorite things colliding, baseball and movies. We haven't even got, I mean, the top, a podcast on my top five is probably going to take forever. Because I yeah, love no, so I think much. <laughs> I think I already I think I already decided that we're going to do like five separate podcasts for the top five. So it's gonna it's gonna, <laughs> we're we're gonna stretch them out because I think you and I both when we get to the big boys we're gonna want to talk quite a bit. So um, I think there's a lot. To yeah, like exactly. There. But all yeah, right, sure. we'll and we'll have to talk. Yeah. We'll have to talk a little bit about the uh, the bad ones too. I know I oh, talked yes, about a little bit on the last last podcast about how much I dislike Trouble with the Curve, but. Yes, you can always that recap so good. it. That's so good. <laughs> um, people love that part of it. Um, we we will definitely recap <laughs> stuff. We will uh, have many many more of these to go. But uh, everybody, check out Ben on Twitter at Ben J Palmer. I'm at Bediantric and Ben's work over at PitcherList.com. Uh, we'll come back with another episode next week, doing our six through ten, and see what rabbit holes we can go down then. But for now, thanks for the Bubba episode yeah, two sixty one in the books. Thanks again, Ben. Thank you. 